Scripture reading for today comes from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 14. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals you all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will his anger, or nor keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think my news feed algos um, think that I'm interested in uh, men's fashion and men's wear uh, because there's a term that's been floating across my algos uh, lately and that is uh, daily carry. So daily carry is uh, what dudes are supposed to bring with them when they go to the office or out. It's your, it's your keys, it's your wallet, it's your watch. It could be a, a pen knife, a pocket knife or some parachute cord, unless you're some, you, you trip into a survival situation. And uh, it's just what you always, your clothes may change, but what do, you, what do you roll with? You know, what do you roll with as far as your phone, everything? And uh, I'm gonna share with you tonight is um, a, a piece, a tool uh, that I've adopted as daily carry in my um, 40s. And what, what's this tool for? I think it's maybe to give a little bump of joy, that might be a part of it, but I think um, uh, the biggest thing is that it's, it's the biggest gun I own uh, against stress, anxiety, fear, doubt, worry, whatever it is, whatever it is. It's, a, it's, it's like a personal javelin, um, if you've been reading about all the munitions in, the, in Ukraine. Um, I, I'm not going to make this very uh, vaunted in what you might imagine preachers are going to tell you about, about this. I'm going to try to um, retain how, how crucial it is for me just to hang on. Like, if I don't have this as daily carry, I'm done. I'll quit. Okay, so I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how it's a real tool for you. Um, it's not just a theoretical thing that, that you listen to in a sermon. And it, it's something that can help with uh, spiritual, mental, and I think even ultimately physical um, nature of your life, this tool for daily carry. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Um, a few years back, uh, Melissa and I went to uh, New York City, and we were part of a, a, a cohort of about eight couples, and we were at... Um, Redeemer in New York City under 
is pastored by a guy named Tim Keller. You guys have probably heard me quote him before. And um, he's no C.S. Lewis, but I think he's a good teacher. I really do, a really wise, good teacher. And so we were there for almost a month. We had to carve out a lot of time and resources, and we were with um, uh, some international couples, and we were the only American couple there. And uh, so we were going through a lot of meetings and cohorts and modules and uh, spending time with Keller throughout this month. And uh, we were talking about what we would call um, spiritual disciplines, like reading God's word, like praying, um, journaling, examining and analyzing God's word, um, singing even. Uh, We were talking about those. And he was saying that um, all of those are really, really good, but he said none of them approach what this tool is, this daily carry tool. None of them approach it. He said, in fact, if you don't have this daily tool, all of that other stuff almost doesn't matter. What is that tool? That would be a pretty important tool. That would be a big deal. Um, Because he says this tool actually has the capacity to touch your affections and your emotions and your will and to warm it when you're feeling cold and mean and stressed out and angry and anxious and worried. So I made a comment and I said, uh, because we were learning good stuff, and I said, I I find it really sad that I'm 40-something and I'm just now learning this. Like, wouldn't it be great if I was in my 20s and somebody who was a spiritual, you know, mentor or teacher said, hey, if you don't have this, you got nothing, and you really gotta concentrate on this. This has gotta be in place. If you don't have this, I, I said it would have saved me a lot. Like this, I, I can't believe what a, what a noob I am. And Tim uh, chuckled, and he said, well, I didn't learn this until I was well after 50. So he says, you're ahead of me. This, this teacher that we respect, he didn't get this. And he, and he said that, and he went back to it. He said, everything I was doing before was just bookishness compared to what this is. That sounds pretty hyperbolic for an academic to say something that, that stark. This is, the tool, this is the daily carry tool I'm talking about, okay? This is what Psalm 3 is giving up to us. I mean, it's an open secret in Psalm 103, and Psalm 103 is giving us this. Oh, you want to know that secret? Oh, yeah, it's here. It's readily available and explainable. You can get it. What is that tool? Um, have you met people who seem a little unflappable when a lot of stress is coming their way? Now, I'm not talking about stoic people. Our community, and I mean this in general, is really actually pretty decent at stoicism. Right? When bad things happen, you are able to keep it level. Even externally, you're able to keep it, you're, keep it in the road. You keep it in the road. You're great at that. So I'm not talking about stoicism. I'm talking about running into a person that has the same stresses that you do. 
and yet they have a capacity for lightness and joy and expressiveness in the middle of that. It's not just stoicism. It's like they, could, they, can, they have lightness and vitality in the middle of the worry. It's not like they don't get concerned about stuff. They have many concerns, and yet it doesn't do them in. This daily tool, this daily carry is going to give us that. Let's talk about the Psalms. He hasn't said about the, just say the tool already, okay? All right, all right, we'll get there. Let's talk about the Psalms. When we approach the Psalms, they are not an academic journal of clinical sterility. When we go to the Psalms like that, all right, it's not like this is, okay, what we're gonna do here is when I go to the Psalms, we're gonna poke nerve 392. It's located four degrees north of anxious impulse, um, exhibiting a tempered 4.5 neurosis level with a grade B manifestation of anger, okay? And there's two milligrams of bitter bile that are, is being secreted from, with verbal strings of crass vocabulary and, and there is selenic activity happening in the left tear duct. While this is happening, the patient shows signs of muscular agitation and self-reports ideation of possibly striking the drywall with closed phalanges. That is not the Psalms. Some of you are like, that was pretty good. <laughs> I kind of like that technical language, talking about my emotions. That's not the Psalms. It's not. These are real, real, when I say real, attached to real people that are real cases of problems. And I don't mean basket cases. I mean real cases. Real situations where their emotions interacted with what? Hatred. Love. Rejection. Having someone opposed to you? Loneliness? Th these are real cases. And, and like last week when we looked at Psalm 42, it's asking this question, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? The Psalms address the entire spectrum. That's what Calvin says of human emotions. That's why this tool, this tool of daily carry, what is going to help because it's going to help all of these situations you get into where, oh, yeah, my coworker is now opposed to me. Oh, yes, I feel rejected. Oh, I don't feel worthy. Oh, I'm experiencing hatred toward this person. See, it, it addresses all of that. And Psalm 103 gives up this secret. How to handle life in every emotional circumstance, and I mean how to handle life even when things are going great. You know those marriage vows where they say, um, for better or for worse? And everyone's like, I don't even know why they put for better in there. Like, oh, yeah, when things are going great, I'll... No, 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 no. I've seen this in my ministry is, no, things can go great, and then you start to feel euphoric, and you do crazy stuff. You'll trade in your spouse when things are going great for you. So, so, so the Psalms address for better or for worse like every part of the spectrum of human motion. Now, I'm gonna say it, and you're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> it, all right, I, like I know it. 
and then I get 20 minutes to undisappoint you. But I'm gonna say it to you, okay? And you are gonna be radically disappointed. Here it is. Here's our problem. Here's my problem, here's your problem. We forget. The main thing to help us, we need to remember. I told you, didn't I? I told you you're gonna be disappointed. You're like, yeah, that, that stinks. Yeah, you set it up way too much. Let's look at Psalm 103, first two verses. Um, so if you have the NIV, it says praise the Lord, so you can kind of see what's happening there. Because who can bless ever bless the greatest power, right? We don't bless our greatest power. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And don't forget all his benefits. Don't forget it. I told you. This is the problem, is that English is too blunt. That, that word remember is too blunt to convey what the Hebrew's getting at with remembering. Um, it's much more profound as that. Why is that? Um, remembering controls us. Let me say that again. Remembering controls us. Uh, which sounds a little subversive, doesn't it? Remembering controls us? Hmm. Maybe weirdly hyperbolic, like, oh, that's just the preacher saying that. Remembering controls us. Let me try to convince you. Here's one. Forgetting and remembering are at the very center of what controls us. Why? Think of this. Remember a time, just pick one. Remember a time when you did this bad thing. Can anybody remember a time when you did a bad thing? <laughs> Blank stares. Remember that time, and right after you did the bad thing, what did you say to yourself? I will never, ever, ever do that again. I promise. I know, I know for sure. I know for sure. I, I'm not doing it. Because what is it? You're filled with shame, regret, side effects. Um, in the moment there, you're like, I'm never going to do it again. And then a couple weeks later, you do the same thing. <laughs> Me too, by the way. Why? Because you didn't remember. Um, it's not about recall, is it? So when the Hebrew talks about remembering, it's not about recall, because you can remember the technicalities of the thing. Well, why did you do it again? You forgot, what? You forgot the lived details, the owning of it, and said, when I was in that spot, I said I would never do everything around it, all the visceral things around it, what? What you remember controls us. Um, let me give you a silly example, because I don't know if we can talk about the real examples, but let me give you a silly example as a placeholder for our more serious examples. Um, 
my wife is disgusted that I still eat McDonald's. I love McDonald's. I say that publicly. I'm, I've even convinced my oldest son to like McDonald's. Big Mac. Um, fries. Fooey on your Diet Coke. Nope, Coke, real Coke. All the sugar. Um, but I don't do it very often uh, because my, my wife has better plans for me, which is good, but I still like McDonald's. There's something that happens when I get McDonald's. Uh, I bring it home. I just wolf it down, and it tastes magical. And I get all of the sugar rushes for like, what, eight minutes? And then I'm just like, oh. I really shouldn't have gotten those three extra cheeseburgers and a four-piece nugget either. Oh. I had Lainey, she's my second daughter. I said, please take a video that I'm gonna give to future Tim. And this video was on Melissa's phone. It was just me being like, future Tim, future Tim. I know you want McDonald's, but don't get it. Future Tim, I'm telling you, I just, ugh. Future Tim, please don't get to McDonald's. So um, Friday night rolls around and uh, I had to help get dinner. Melissa's not feeling well. And um, I want McDonald's. I want McDonald's. That, Melissa was going to get something classier. The older kid's going to get something classier. But I want McDonald's. And my boys are like, yeah, we want McDonald's too. And Lenny's like, I've got this video of, I've got this video. I've got this, look at, look, Dad. And there I am. Future Tim. Don't do it. Don't do it. I got McDonald's still. I got McDonald's still. Um, why? I'm not remembering. I'm not remembering everything. So it's not about technical recall. It's not about intellectual things. Let me just explain to you, future Tim, these, all of these details and what will happen. I'm not remembering it. I'm not owning it. And so I get to McDonald's. Um, forgetting and remembering is at the very center of what controls us. Try this out. I have all these lists and scraps of paper. So sometimes they're post-it notes, sometimes it's just a piece of paper that I have on my desk, sometimes it's in my tablet, like I'm writing a list of things I've gotta get done, right? And sometimes it's in a word, I'm in the middle of something, I'm on a phone call and I type it out, and then what I do is I take all of these lists, all of their scraps of everywhere, and I try to make my meta list somewhere. I just I distill it down so I have the meta list, it's off my mind, I'm gonna get it done. Uh, and then, uh, I'm in the shower or in the car or I'm in a meeting and I remember this thing. Oh, I really got to do that thing. I really got to write that down. But I don't write it down. I forget about it. I'm just like, oh. And then all day long, I think, I know there's something that I got to do. And what do I do? I remember that I've forgotten something. I remember that I've forgotten something. And what does it do? It haunts me all day long. 
And then something will, like, it'll be like food, or it'll be a smell, or, or, or a strain of a song, and it will trigger me. It'll be a wave, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was surrounding the thing, but I don't know what the thing is. But I know for sure, I've got to remember, because I told myself it was super important. Um, so I remember that I've forgotten something. You know what I think that is? I think that is a perfect illustration of a human being. And Romans 1 tells us that. We have forgotten God. We've forgotten God. But what? We're around creation, and we, see, we go to a vista, and we go on a hike, and, and we taste wonderful food, and we hear this gorgeous, gorgeous crescendo of violins, and, and we remember that we've forgotten something. That's Romans 1 language. Oh, I remember that I've forgotten something. See, see, remembering is at the core of what controls us, and it haunts us. Uh, let me give you another one. Um, try this one on, because I think someone can rightly say something tonight. Uh, you can say, um, okay, but actually, I've seen a lot of things that I actually cannot erase from my memory. How about that one, buddy? I've experienced some pretty rotten things. I've been a participant even. And actually, they're pretty vivid to me. I've been a recipient of words and I remember every last syllable and I remember the middle name of the person who said it and I think I almost know their social security number. I've said some nasty, nasty things that I remember that I said them and I get flushed when I think about them. I can't erase so what about your memory thing being at the center of controlling me? That's it. That's it, isn't it? Like we are remembering those things. And that's our daily carry. We're remembering all of those things. The shame the vividness, and it's controlling us in the here and now. Do you know what this is another word for? Meditation. We're actually very, very good at the bad version of meditation. I am going to remember, and I'm gonna call them into the now, and I am gonna trudge around life remembering everything. That's the worst form of meditation. Um, social scientists and psychologists will tell you is that if you hear a negative comment about yourself, let's call it helpful feedback, it takes 28 to 100 other positive comments to outweigh that one negative one. Why? Because we carry our memories in the here and now. Our memory controls us far more than we'd want to admit. Um, Darren mentioned this in his prayer. I put it in the, the, um, 
online reflections, uh, McShane, that Scott, old Scottish minister, got it. He goes, oh, every look at yourself, 10 looks at Christ, 10 looks at Christ. See, he was getting what? Oh, we carry a lot of those memories in the here and now. Okay. So I've said that remembering meditation even is the very center of what controls us. So now we need this. We need, we, you and I need something. How do we remember something else with a different megaphone that just pours into our life on the daily, on our daily carry? Well, Psalm 103 says this, and it's a beautiful setup because it, it governs this entire psalm. There are more verses besides for, verse 14. It says, forget not your benefits. Now, it doesn't say this. It doesn't say, oh, let us remember attributes of God. It says, no, don't forget the benefits of God to yourself. And then it's, a, it's just a list. Remember your benefits that you have because I am your God. So, some of you are feeling unforgivable. Well, guess what? You know what Psalm 103.3 says? Your God forgives all your iniquity. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember that right now. I'm... Some of you are like, you know what? I'll never be healed. I'll never get, I'll never get over this. I'll never get over my thing and my issue. I'm ne- Guess what Psalm 103 says? He will heal all your diseases. I'm going to remember that. Some of you feel ugly and bitter and low and mean, like you don't have enough energy. And you know what Psalm 103 says? I want you to remember he is going to renew you and you are going to soar. You're going to soar. Remember that. If you ever feel like you're never contented and you're always grasping and get, I have to get the next, he says, guess what? Remember this. I will satisfy you. You'll find satisfaction. And it goes on. I'm not going to go through this whole song. Remember, remember, remember this, remember this. You bring that into your present. You know what we do? When we turn our attentions to something that Jesus has done for us and it makes us something else, you're remembering something that predates you. You're remembering something, oh, you know what? Before I was even crawling, he had my name in mind, he chose me for himself, I'm going to remember something that predates me. Um, you know what? When we remember Jesus, we, were, we are remembering a superior version. Stay with me on this next illustration. My family and I, we play Minecraft together. And uh, before we all started up on our laptops and we're in the same virtual r- world, stacking blocks on top of each other. I know you're mesmerized. Stay with me. Everyone yells out from the other room, what version are you on? What version? 
right? You gotta get on the right version because if you're not on the right version, your, your file's gonna be corrupted <laughs> and you can't get on. What version are you on? You want the version that supersedes all other versions because you know what? That version has all the cool updates and all the new animals and all the materials you can build with. I know, stay with me. It's a very nerdy illustration. You want, that, you want the version that supersedes all other versions, and Jesus is that version. He's like, oh, guess what? You have an old corrupted version. Guess what? I'm running the superior version. I am the superior version of who you are before the Father. I am the superior version. Remember that. Remember that. Remember that. Yeah, but um, I, I just, and I've, I've got all these old things, and I've, I've built all this old stuff that you would not, and it's horrible, and it's damaged. Guess what? Corrupted. You're, you're, we're running my version. We're not running Tim's version. It's a very nerdy um, illustration. You stuck with me. You were patient. You nodded your head like you knew what I was talking about. I appreciate that. That's a gift to me as a public speaker. Thank you. Remembering. Let me tell you something else, and I'm, I'm going to end here about this. This um, at Christmas time, I needed some wire to hang something, some dec decorations that Melissa said had to be up. I did not have the wire. I did not want to go to Home Depot. I was refused to go. I'm not going to Home Depot. I just need this little bit of wire. So I was hunting around in this old rusted toolbox that looks like my great grandfather owned it. I bought it at a garage sale. That is what we call an extraneous, unnecessary detail. Um, and I was <laughs> rummaging around it, and I found this like piece of metal, and it was sort of spring-like. I was like, cool, piece of thin metal, I'm gonna use this to affix the decor. So I, I, I bring it in the house, and I am just struggling with this dumb-shaped spring thing, trying to twist it to this dumb nail on the wall. I had a great attitude externally. <laughs> and this is it. I was putting an inordinate amount of energy pulling that thing with pliers and holding it there and then twisting it, and if I let go, it would spring back, and it was making me very angry. It's like, I should have just gone to Home Depot. All right, you can tell I'm really great with home projects. I think that is a great illustration of what my heart is like when it's not warmed by the meditation of Jesus reforging everything, like getting hot again. And let me explain why. Is you know what happens in my life? I will spend an inordinate amount of energy yelling at myself, don't you do that again. You really need to try harder. You need to get all of these categories up and going, blah, blah. And it's these pliers and it's all this energy. And you know what it does when I run out of energy? Bang! Back to original form, heart gone nowhere, no progress. Guess what? You are the same Dumb spring. See, it takes so much energy to make it do something else external. What needs to happen? That dumb spring. I'm talking about my heart now, too. That dumb spring needs to be warm and heated to all those internal fibers are what? Melted down so that it can actually be reshaped into something else. So it doesn't take all this inordinate energy to have it be this beautiful shape that is functional, useful, and beautiful. 
And that is what meditation does, this remembering, is I'm going to remember these beautiful things about Jesus, but not just about Jesus. It is a story that has been intersected with my story, and it's true about me. All of these things are real about me. And what is it doing? It is warming my heart. It's not prayer. It's not study. It's not journaling. It's not singing. It's I am going to think on this, Tim, this is true about you until my heart is warmed. And when my heart is warm, something else happens. That's meditation. That's remembering. That is a piece of daily carry that you can take with you. And when there are stresses, and there's always stresses, and when there's anxieties and worries and fear and doubt, and there's always worries and anxieties and fears and doubts, that warms you in a different way and says, I can have actually, I can be calm and be enthralled by something in the middle of it. Um, how is that empowered? Um, C.S. Lewis said this, you know, in The Great Divorce, it's about that, it's about his metaphor of what hell is like. And he says, you know, um, hell, I don't conceive of hell of all that burning fire and all these degrees and singeing of hairs and melting skin and eyeballs dripping. Like, I don't, I don't conceive of it that way. I conceive of it as this, is like hell is a place where you are forgotten by God. What? That's pretty good, C.S. Lewis. I don't even think Tim Keller could have said that. All right. What is so beautiful about the cross is that when he says, hey, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? Why have you forgotten me? And he's for, he was forgotten so that you'd be remembered by the most significant person of all time. That isn't some abstract thing that is a story with real cost and blood and, and, and tears and, 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 and just unbelief. That's for you. Like, that's true about you. That's where we camp. That's where you put your, your heart in front of that fire and let it, let it feel that heat. That's your daily carry. And you may need little note cards. You may need something on your phone saying, this is true about me because something's yelling at me that says the opposite. Remember, remember, what you remember controls your very soul, will, and heart. Let's pray into that, and let's jump into, um, let's sing about it, and we'll, I'll meet you at the table. Jesus, um, warm our hearts with you. Warm your hearts, uh, warm our hearts about um, not just your goodness, but the benefits we have from your goodness. That, we, that are true about us now. In Jesus' name, amen.
come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Sing, oh, come to the altar one more time. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a question, big historical question with um, lots of input from lots of different writers and theologians spanning centuries. And um, the, the question is, well, it's, it's kind of a meta question is like, how do, we, how do we experience and get this grace of God that everyone talks about? And so uh, there's a term that's been constructed over hundreds of years and it's called the means of grace. That is, what are the things that are conduits and channels of God's grace that I know for sure if I participate in them, I'm, exp I'm, in, the, I'm in the channel of God's grace? It's this big historical question, and it's called the means of grace. And over the centuries, um, there, there's quibbling on a fourth, but the first three there's not an argument over. <laughs> well, not much of one. You can always find an argument in theologians, but here they are. You can experience again God's grace through his word. Two, prayer. Three, this is what we're doing right now. The sacraments. Why is that? Why is it that when we do this thing tonight with the bread and the wine and juice, 
Why is that a means by which I can understand the grace of God? Because it kind of feels ritually. It kind of feels mechanical, and I just do this thing, and you gave it to me, and I go, okay, I'll play your game. I'll drink it. What is it doing? This is, let me remind you, pun intended. It is formative because relentlessly, every time we do this, I'm asking you to remember. I'm asking you to remember because so much in your life is pressing upon you. And you know what, when we have this space, guess what, I'm not, remember, remember, remember. The Son of God loved you, did this work, the story's true, and your faith, combined with us remembering it, it builds, you, you experience God because you're remembering. You're saying, I'm gonna make this my present and my reality more than all of the other noise. I need this desperately because the noise is convincing to me sometimes. You need this because the noise is convincing to you sometimes. So that's why we do it. I've said this before, this is a family meal, right? If you're like, I don't, I don't think I can trust this Jesus you're talking about, it is a ritual. It is me, it's a, it, a rabbit's foot would do you better, right? But for those of faith saying, yeah, this is my thing, this feeds us because we remember, we remember, okay? On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks for it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Take, eat, in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink of it, all of you, for as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You remember his death until he comes. Pray with me briefly. Jesus, take this simple bread, simple wine and juice. Meet our fragile faith by your spirit and remind our tired souls again of all your benefits. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you eat and drink with me?